Wow. Wow. So you created a business uh, where, where nobody else really saw an opportunity. And, and so tell me more. How does this work? Uh, and so people are going to buy your program to to learn how to maximize the discounts they could get on, on retail products that they need every day, right? Essentially, uh, okay. you know, coupon, couponing is easy, but finding the order of operations, because I mean, you think it, with digital couponing, what the stores are offering, uh, you know, is individuals, and then what the actual corporate side of that is offering, and then the manufacturer coupons on top of that, you just hit one layer of discounts, you know, across the board. And like I say, you can find stuff, you know, things that you use every single day for, you know, 90% off. Now, you know, in the course, we're looking to teach something along the lines of ethical couponing. So, you know, we're not just going in like the extreme couponing stuff. Where How do I find it? ChainsawCCC.com slash courses. We've got everything you need to know to get started immediately. Come check us out. What's up, everybody? This is your boy, Chainsaw. Boy, this week, there is a storm that is a brewing. I'm telling you, it has been a wacky, wacky week. Or, well, I guess last week wacky super wacky week right there's been so much happening and there's so much to cover um so let's just jump right into it firstly i did want to say we've made some changes here in the studio um we're formatted for podcasts now to be quite honest i just got sick and tired of people asking me oh chainsaw you know you tell them i got a youtube channel oh you got a, you got a podcast you know I, I was watching your podcast okay it's not a freaking podcast but um it's a podcast now okay so get it uh you know get it on apple itunes uh you know spotify wherever podcasts uh are available right wherever you be getting to getting get to getting's good right <clears throat> so here we are but anyway so to jump right to jump right into this this has been a pretty wacky week as far as just covid news our government oh nope covid news our government uh just in general right um now I would like to think that this is all, you know, when it comes to COVID-19, this is all nonpartisan, and it should be. I mean, it's not that it should be. It is. It is nonpartisan. This is not a Republican thing. Uh, this is not a Democrat thing. This is just a thing. Like, this has nothing to do with the left or the right. Left or the right. Teleprompter screwing me up here. Um, it has nothing to do with the left or the right. It's not a Republican or Democrat thing. It's not a liberal or conservative thing, right? Now, that's not to say, and I was surprised a little bit, that there are not some serious whack jobs on both the left and the right who have some really just nutty ways of, of handling uh, the pressure, right? And we're going to just jump right into that. Um, obviously, later in this video, um, we're going to discuss some of the experiences that I had this week and some of the things that I came across. But, um, you know, first, uh, I want to take a look at something that's been happening over in, uh, you know, and, and this is this is something to consider. This very well could have been us had the measures not been uh, taken as seriously or, you know, I guess here in Missouri, taken less seriously than they were because it doesn't seem like uh, COVID has been taken very seriously by very many, save for those working in the healthcare uh, sector. But let's take a look at what's been happening in other states, specifically uh, over in uh, good old Idaho. So I want to just jump right into this. Meanwhile, hospitals in Idaho's panhandle are now under an activated crisis standards of care because of new COVID cases starting to impact other medical care. The hospitals are facing a severe shortage in available beds in the northern part of the state, combined with a shortage of staffing. 
Late today, Idaho's Department of Health and Welfare provided an update saying while the situation in the north has reached this critical level, the rest of the state is not far behind. For the rest of the state, we remain dangerously close to crisis standards of care. Um, if we, um, we will look to see uh, if there's any additional assistance that we can provide to Kootenai Health and other hospitals in the north by way of transferring patients. Uh, and while I greatly appreciate the hospitals in the southern part of the state stepping up to that challenge, uh, that could further exacerbate uh, the condition in the southern part of the state, and we'll deal with that as that situation materializes. They say they are concerned as they are seeing younger patients more than any time during the pandemic. Wow. Meanwhile, the hospitals in our area say they are not under crisis standards of care yet, but they are seeing a spike in COVID cases. They say that most of the cases are people who are unvaccinated. Dr. Dan Snell, Chief Medical Officer at Portland Medical Center in Pocatello, says that the number of ICU beds each hospital has changes on an hourly basis, and it is something they are constantly monitoring statewide. They are on a daily call with all of the hospitals in the state to see who has ICU beds. Uh, from an illness standpoint and from a staffing standpoint and from a physical bed standpoint, we're doing all right right now, okay? That doesn't mean we're out of... Does that sound familiar? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, here's the thing. I actually have friends uh, over in Pocatello, Idaho, who are not necessarily up on masking and the whole routine, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Out of the woods, and that doesn't mean we don't have our challenges. Um, and we just want to thank the community for their support because they've given us an awful lot of support. Uh, encourage people to continue to be vaccinated. Um, and that's, that is the single best thing that the community can do to, to kind of decompress the, the situation here locally and, and statewide and, and frankly nationwide. Dr. Snell says that they look at the surgery schedule every day to determine that the hospital will be able to handle elective surgeries. And so far, they have not had to limit any care to any patients. Wow, that's that's something else. So that's what's happening in Pocatello, Idaho. Um, they're concerned about what's going on uh, further north. Um, uh, obviously, up in Boise, they've been having some uh, uh, much larger issues. You know, like I say, I, I've got friends out there who are not exactly um, big on masks, social distancing. You know, it's uh, a, a good a good year and a half, almost almost two years in, and these are the kind of folks who uh, you know still still consider it a big liberal hoax. Um, <clears throat> which again, we'll get into that. Um, you know, not just the left, or, or not just the right, but also the left and some of these wacky concepts that I've been coming across um, from both sides of the aisle. But um, yeah, let's let let's continue here um, uh, and see see what's uh, what the updates are. In, uh, in Idaho. This is from uh, uh, KTV uh, based out of Boise here. But for those of us of a certain age, we learned the term triage through the TV show MASH. Remember when doctors Pierce and McIntyre or Major Houlihan would just walk onto a bus? You should mention that they're, they're talking about um, the idea that uh, triage uh, for patients that being that it's, uh, you know, the crisis standards of care, they've changed some things about how they're handling patients. So let's just jump right into that. Or through the stretchers that were lined up outside the surgical tent, 
And they would say, take that one, or he can wait, or he's not going to make it. And that's how they decided who got brought into the tent to get immediate medical attention. Idaho's crisis standards of care are kind of laid out the same way. First to get help would be those with immediate need, the red category, those with a life-threatening illness or injury, where there's a chance their life can be saved, but something needs to be done quickly. Yellow, or delayed need, those who would be treated second, would have serious but not life-threatening issues, and waiting won't matter much to survival. Then there's minimal need, which is kind of self-explanatory. Minor injury or illness, you can walk in on your own kind of thing, but you would just have to sit there in pain while you wait for the third priority. Now, yeah, the thing is, when it comes to the immediate need, and they talk about uh, life-threatening illness or injury, life-saving interventions required, those are the first to treat. Here's the thing, though. When it comes to COVID, if this continues, and it continues to build the way that it has been, I mean, obviously, if they're coming to the point of crisis standards of care for triage, what's the next step? Well, we're going to be looking at people with those immediate needs who either have a high chance of survivability or not so high chance of survivability. Now, if you're one of those who hasn't been vaccinated, you end up in the hospital, let's, let's say in Boise, um, and this situation just continues to go as it is, there may be a chance that if your illness proves too life-threatening, to take up the resources for someone that they actually could heal, you might not get the treatment that you're looking for. So if you're betting on hospital care, first of all, the, the, I don't know why you would do that, but if you are, there may come a point because of people who put themselves in that situation because of the lack of resources and the lack of, of, of personnel to handle it, that you may not get that treatment. That's, Taking, taking a risk with your own life here, um, but let's continue. The fourth category, and one which would have been higher in different circumstances, the expectant or code black. That means you're in a bad way and not expected to survive what ails you, meaning they could try, but it would take too many resources and likely wouldn't have the desired outcome. In crisis standards, those folks are pushed to last. Oh, damn, I spoke too soon. It's already happening now. Whereas in conventional care, that try would come much sooner. The State Department of Health and Welfare planned out these priorities last year when we were this close, but never got there. But this is what is happening right now in North Idaho. In other words, if you break a wrist, the bones that are in your wrist, and you need surgery to fix it so it doesn't heal improperly, well, that's going to be tough. And while it may not be under the urgency of or the backdrop of war, like in MASH, nor is it because of a tragic natural disaster, this is still the state of care in 10 of Idaho's hospitals. Governor Little, Governor Little used this news today as a chance to address vaccinations once again. We have reached an unprecedented and unwanted point in the history of our state, he said. We've taken so many steps to avoid getting here, but yet again, we need to ask more Idahoans to choose to receive the COVID-19 vaccine. Right now, only 49% of eligible Idahoans have been fully vaccinated. And before you think, well, that's just up north. We're fine everywhere else. Let's take a look at what it looks like statewide. The last week of August, the day the governor toured an ICU and saw all the COVID patients fighting for their lives, and he called it heartbreaking, the state website showed there were 72 ICU beds available. It dropped to 31 the next day. 
We bounced back towards 60 for a couple of days, but since September 2nd, in just four days, we have dropped to 11 available beds. 11 available beds in Idaho's intensive care units across the entire state. That's a drastic drop and a pretty low number, not as low as four, which is the number Governor Little pointed to last week, while the state's website showed that 72. But because of that discrepancy, which a lot of you pointed out, the state changed the way it charted available beds. Instead of just open beds or including open pediatric ICU beds, since September 3rd, they are tracking just beds that are available and able to be staffed. So basically, the state of Idaho has been tracking available beds in the same way that the state of Missouri, the state of Florida, has been tracking cases. Um, when you have a delay or a discrepancy in the numbers, it shows something different than what is actually available. Um, in our case, there's a discrepancy on the wait time uh, for when information gets processed from the health departments uh, to the state. So if you actually look at our, our COVID cases and our COVID deaths, it will always look as if cases are going down and deaths are going down because there's a delay in those postings. It's the same crap that was going on in Florida, you know, for months, basically, they're just trying to hide their numbers in order to look better, uh, make the situation look better than it actually is. But uh, don't take my word for it. Please do not take my word for it. Check it out yourself. Um, the information is definitely uh, available with your local health department. Um, so this exciting, exciting stuff has been so overwhelming that it's actually made national news or, um, you know, headline news, or at least it was featured on MSNBC uh, just a couple of days ago. So let's take a look at that real quick. This week, of course, Idaho had to take the terrible step for the first time in its history of activating crisis standards of care. Crisis standards of care uh, means that hospitals have an ethical and legal framework from the state to ration health care because in North Idaho, they no longer have hospital capacity to treat everyone who needs treatment because of the number of very sick COVID patients swamping the hospitals. Officials in Idaho are warning that they're dangerously close to actually having to implement crisis standards of care for the entire state of Idaho. Idaho is in real crisis right now. How's the state's leadership contending with this crisis? Interesting story there, it turns out. The largest health district in Idaho is the central, uh, it's called Central District Health. I see it's right there in the center of the state. It has a seven-member health board that's appointed by local county commissioners. And this summer, as Idaho steamed toward this unprecedented collapse of their hospital system, with literally active-duty federal troops having to come in to staff beds, with hospital care officially being rationed because they are swamped with COVID patients, this summer, in June, officials in the state's largest health district fired a 15-year veteran of that health board, a nationally recognized physician who had given mainstream COVID advice in line with federal guidelines. They fired him. Hmm. Hmm. Sound familiar? Hmm. The person Idaho picked to replace him to join the biggest health board in the state in the middle of this crisis uh, is this guy, um, who is a pathologist who runs a local medical lab, he says that we should call the CDC the Ministry of Truth because they're just like the propaganda arm of the fictional totalitarian regime in the novel 1984. He says COVID vaccines must be, quote, stopped. 
He calls vaccines a, quote, poisonous attack on our population that needs to stop now. He has also advocated for the use of the horse deworming medication, ivermectin, which the CDC, the FDA, and the drug zone manufacturers have pleaded with the public to stop using to treat or prevent COVID since it neither treats nor prevents COVID, but it's very easy to OD on it and make yourself very ill. This is how the local NPR station in Boise headlined their article about this doctor's appointment to the Central Health District, quote, doctor up for Idaho Health Board spot calls COVID-19 vaccine needle rape. So with that, um, we've got anti-vaxxers in charge of certain aspects of health care. Um, we've seen that here at the state level. Uh, when it comes to uh, local, uh, local positions uh, regarding, you know, uh, those involved in, in, you know, who's, who's charting these deaths, these COVID deaths, um, Boy, the, the, it, it's, it's time to roll those pant legs up because it's just getting deeper and deeper. Because he did, in fact, call it that. He was officially approved to the Idaho Central Health District Health Board this week. Chosen, he, he, was, he had competition. There was also an epidemiologist who was up for the spot and an infectious disease specialist who was up for the spot. But they went with the guy who calls vaccines needle rape wow. instead. Wow. As the state of Idaho approaches statewide crisis standards of care and hospital rationing because of the crush of COVID patients they are contending with. There appears to be a mismatch in terms of the crisis that Idaho is facing and what its leadership on the ground is doing about it. So that's really something else. Um, so basically what we've seen here is a state that has not taken COVID uh, very seriously and is now facing the repercussions of that. Um, it seems like now that it's being brought a little bit more into the limelight as far as the, uh, the deaths and the mismanagement um, of the state in handling COVID and healthcare in general, that, um, <clears throat> yeah, now that that's been <laughs> made very apparent and, and, and obviously has hit national news, that the state, at least the governor uh, seems to be taking this a little bit more seriously, or at least is perceived as taking it more seriously. Um, you know, I think we saw the same thing in the state of Missouri um, earlier this summer when our COVID cases and COVID deaths skyrocketed. And first, the solution was that the governor uh, was going to put the blame on healthcare uh, directors themselves and uh, those who work in the healthcare sector for not asking for assistance. No quarter asked, no quarter given, I guess. Um, and then secondly, you saw obviously the push for the vaccine lotto and different measures taken by the governor. I believe it was, and, and covered this in a previous video, I may, I may misquote it, but I believe it was about $46 billion that the governor has been holding on to since two Marches ago, March of 2020 and finally decided to distribute that money to Missouri healthcare officials, um, or, you know, to, to Missouri, to, to, to freaking hospitals, so that they could relieve some of this situation uh, right here at home. Um, but of course, Governor Mike Parson is big on withholding funds, as we saw. He's still holding back money from unemployment, which this should be very interesting to see how that goes out. Um, considering the executive order, the announcement um, that President Biden 
had made just a few days ago regarding his uh, executive order and uh, some of the changes that we may be seeing to uh, federal law via OSHA. But uh, we're going to jump right into that. Uh, and uh, we're going to get uh, Governor Mike Parson's response, uh, firstly. But uh, we'll get into that uh, right after a short break, and uh, we'll see you then. Webull is the stock app and trading platform that everybody's using, and I mean everybody's using. You've seen it all over YouTube. I use it on my own channel to show what's happening in the market. You pay zero commission fees. You can own fractional shares. You can even trade in cryptocurrencies and access real-time market data. Use my referral link, chainsawccc.com slash Weeble. That's chainsawccc.com slash Weeble, W-E-B-U-L-L, and get you two free stocks. Simply by opening an account and depositing any amount, get you two free stocks from Weeble. Believe me, you're going to want this one. So moments after uh, President Joe Biden's press conference on the 9th, um, making reference to his changes uh, that he wants to make uh, regarding OSHA for vaccinations for federal employees, vaccinations for um, uh, businesses with over 100 employees. Uh, Governor Mike Parson, in his infinite wisdom, um, went to jump on social media, and he gave us this tweet uh, to consider. Let's see. Uh, the Biden administration, and this is from uh, September 9th, uh, the Biden administration's recent announcement seeking to dictate personal freedom and private business decisions is an insult to our American principles of individual liberty and free enterprise. This heavy-handed action by the federal government is unwelcome in our state and has potentially dangerous consequences for working families. Dangerous consequences? Idaho? Did we hear about this? Um... Let's continue. Vaccination protects us from serious illness, but the decision to get vaccinated is a private health care decision that should remain as such. My administration will always fight back against federal power grabs and government overreach that threatens to limit our freedoms. Government overreach? You mean like how Attorney General Eric Schmidt is actually suing, uh, bringing uh, several lawsuits against uh, uh, local school districts uh, regarding their in-house mask mandates, which you, Mike Parson, had already said last year that you're going to leave it up to local uh, governments and local, you know, leave it up to leave it up to uh, city governments to handle the municipal governments to handle themselves, leave it up to businesses to handle themselves, leave it up to school districts to handle themselves, and yet says nothing when A.G. Schmidt decides we're going to bring the hammer, full force of the law down on these folks. But, um, you know, I guess, I guess that's government overreach um, when Joe Biden does it. But, that's, uh, but that's, that's, that's another story for another time. Um, you know, the, the hypocrisy is just, is just astounding. Um, same day, Attorney General uh, uh, Eric Schmidt had posted this on his Twitter. Let's see. His response to Joe Biden, of course, Missouri has uh, a national leader in uh, has a Missouri has been a national leader in pushing back against the Biden administration and covert related mandates. Biden's historic overreach on vaccine mandates will not stand in Missouri. OK, you're the guy who is bringing lawsuits against schools. Like 
Governor Parson, I guess, if he wants to talk about government overreach, like that's what. It, but Eric Schmidt, you do not have a right to talk about government overreach, like basically ever, bro. Um, you're suing schools because they want to do what they do, and you're the attorney general of the entire state of Missouri. Um, Biden's historic overreach of mask mandates. How about Eric, Eric Schmidt's historic overreach on mask mandates? Um, that also will not stand in Missouri. Uh, we're at a crossroads in America, who we are, and what we're going to be. We must fight back. Wow. I mean, the audacity. Can you believe it? So Senate Majority Leader uh, Caleb Browden uh, posted his tweet in response. This is one of the most egregious overreach attempts from a president I have ever witnessed. One, much of this nonsense will get laughed out of court, presumably. Two, Missouri legislation should take action to protect Missourians and Missouri businesses ASAP. Hashtag MoLeg. You know, I'm new to Twitter, and I try to keep my tweets a little bit more professional than that, but I digress. For a better look at professionalism, let's take a look at his response to Vice President Kamala Harris. His retweet uh, of her uh, speaking with The Hill, um, so The Hill's tweet. Um, Vice President Kamala Harris is quoted as saying, The right of women to make decisions about their own bodies is not negotiable. The right of women to make decisions about their own bodies is their decision. It is their body. And Kayla Browden, a local musician, a composer of such... Out, uh, you know, record hits like Free From Ordinary, Until Everyone Is Free, and of course, Made to Worship. Um, his retweet, oh, and of course, he is the state of Missouri's Senate Majority Leader. He's a senator for the state of Missouri, Missouri State uh, uh, Senate. His retweet, unless you are a woman who chooses not to get vaccinated, then your opinion about your body is irrelevant unless you are a woman who chooses not to get vaccinated and your opinion about your body is irrelevant that's that's just it doesn't get any more disgusting than that i don't think um and it certainly doesn't have to but so same day a little bit later um or sorry next day a little bit later associated press uh published an article, uh, Parson Way's special session to respond to Biden uh, COVID plan. So this is from September 10th. Uh, we'll take a look at it here. Uh, Jefferson City, Missouri. A Republican Missouri Governor Mike Parsons considering calling a special legislative session to challenge President Joe Biden's plan to require COVID-19 vaccination or testing uh, for many workers. Uh, Parson told the Kansas City Star in an interview Friday that Missouri will oppose the White House initiative on multiple fronts. He didn't elaborate, but left open the possibility of a special session. I don't plan on letting that happen in Missouri. Parson said of the mandate or testing proposals, I think the president is totally wrong on the policy he's setting forth. Boy, you wouldn't think he'd let the attorney general just bring lawsuits against local school districts for mandating masks in their schools for the safety of children. Huh, imagine that. Uh, Biden announced sweeping new orders Thursday that will require employers with more than 100 workers to mandate immunizations or offer weekly testing. The new rules could affect as many as 100 million Americans, although it's not clear how many of those are currently unvaccinated. The U.S. is still struggling to curb the surging Delta variant of the coronavirus, which is killing thousands each week and jeopardizing the nation's economic recovery. Uh, Representative Tony Lovasco, an O'Fallon Republican, wrote to Parson asking that legislators be allowed to address uh, the Biden plan 
He said the president's plan uh, demands an immediate response. Well, this, it's about time they think something demands an immediate response. Uh, the House Judiciary, it's unfortunately the wrong thing. The House Judiciary Committee is planning to meet Wednesday to hear from Missourians about the vaccination plan. Lawmakers will already be at the Capitol for a short session to consider whether to override Parsons' uh, vetoes on bills. Republican House leaders in a joint statement called Biden's move an abusive overreach uh, by Washington bureaucrats uh, who are out of touch with uh, what is best for Missouri uh, businesses and families. As Friday, whether Missouri's response to Biden would involve a lawsuit by Republican Attorney General Eric Schmidt or a special session, Parson included, I think multiple fronts, uh, we're going to fight on that. The Delta variant hit hard in Missouri in June and isn't letting up. And yet this is something that needs their immediate attention. Um, the state on Friday reported 2,544 newly confirmed cases, 20 new deaths, and an increase of 74 patients in hospitals to 2033. Missouri has reported 647,335 uh, 647, cases since the onset of the pandemic and 10,861 deaths. And yet this is something that these guys feel needs their immediate attention. Wow. You've got to be kidding me. Their immediate attention, like, like we have to pull all of our resources and figure out how to handle this. Not dead Americans, not dead Missourians. I mean, wow. The audacity of these guys to, to pull this stuff right before September 11th. Right before September 11th. The audacity. I mean, and I don't mean that to be political, but uh, it really isn't. Here's the thing. Over half a million Americans are dead because of COVID. Not because of illness, not because of respiratory failure, not because of car accidents, not because of alcoholism, not because of homicide, because of COVID-19, okay? Wow. 647,000 cases in Missouri. 10, th almost 11,000 dead Missourians. Just Missourians. And yet... Vaccine mandates through OSHA, something that is very much, you know, that the, 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 the president is very much able to do is something that needs their attention immediately. So we'll, we'll get into that. Um, so back to Twitter real quick. Uh, Governor Mike Parson, same day, uh, our administration will uh, reject the uh, Biden administration's attempt to enforce an unconstitutional uh, federal vaccine mandate for Missourians and private businesses. Uh, the Office of Governor has been in communication with leadership in the state of Missouri, uh, Missouri's General Assembly, and the Attorney's General Office to assign resources uh, for a pending legal fight. So let's hear from Attorney General Eric Schmidt. Okay, so his response, Missouri has been a national leader in pushing back against the Biden administration COVID-related mandates. Um, we're at a crossroads, right? No, no vaccine mandates, no mask mandates, no lockdowns, no vaccine passports. Well, at least he's consistent there because his previous post about uh, government overreach doesn't really key up when it comes to consistency because his office, again, is suing local schools. And yet President Biden wanting to uh, put a vaccine mandate uh, through OSHA uh, for employers having more than 100 employees is government overreach. I mean, can you see the hypocrisy just swelling as the days go by here?
And lastly, from Attorney General Eric Schmidt, uh, we must continue to fight back against the unprecedented accumulation of power under the guise of COVID. It won't stop with vaccine mandates. What kind of whack job conspiratorial crap is that? Where does it stop then? Where Where's the next step? Um, I'm super curious. Uh, more people are waking up to the fact that this is a slow march to socialism and authoritarian rule. We need to stand together and fight back. Slow march to socialism, you say? Wow, that's interesting. Um, authoritarian rule, you say? That's that's super interesting. So, again, the next day, um, Eric Schmidt posted on his Twitter, does anyone really believe that the left won't declare in-person voting to be too dangerous next year? Mail-in ballots, no signature verification, ballot harvesting, it's all coming, and their big tech media partners will give them cover. Boy, it just, the conspiracies, they just keep building and building and building. I mean, he is running for Senate, so, you know, that's definitely got to play to the base, right? Uh, the conspiracy theorists, the QAnon uh, whack jobs. I mean, like I said, this is not a Republican or a Democrat issue. Healthcare, COVID, none of this stuff. None of this stuff is Republican or Democrat. It's, it's simply healthcare. It's simply what it is. I mean, it can be made political by this sort of atmosphere. Um, firstly, if we want to be consistent with that, I would say very easily the solution would be to not be putting together a lawsuit against school districts to stop their mask mandates in places where they know how to handle themselves. Okay. They're, they're talking about government overreach and then committing the same. It's not even a sim. It's the exact same kind of government overreach. I mean, how can you not see the hypocrisy in their own actions? Um, so furthermore, once these leaders aggregate the kind of power and control they are attempting to wield under COVID, they never want to let it go. In fact, they want more. Um, later that day, he posts a republic if you can keep it, hearkening back to Benjamin Franklin. Post-Labor Day, policy reset for the Biden administration is more of the same, fear and mandates. But uh, I got to say, my, my favorites, my favorites are what comes next. Joe Biden doesn't have the legal authority to, fo to force COVID vaccines on millions of Americans. His proposal is unlawful and historic in its overreach. Eric Schmidt doing just what Eric Schmidt knows how to do best. Lawsuits are coming. Wow. So, so see you in court. Of course. I mean, that's what this guy does. That, I mean, obviously that's what this guy does because he's the attorney general, but um, he's suing the, so he's a state attorney general. He's suing the federal government or he's wanting to sue the federal government for government overreach. Meanwhile, he's using his powers as AG to sue local school districts because of their requirements for their students and masks. Um, it only gets weirder from here. And I want to jump into that, but first let's just take a real quick break and uh, we'll see just how weird Eric Schmidt's Schmidt can get.
If day trading is too stressful or you just don't want to deal with the volatility of the market, M1 Finance has got you covered. This easy to use trading platform basically lets you build your own index fund out of companies that you believe in. And if you use my link at chainsawccc.com slash M1, M1 Finance will give you a free $30 just for signing up and funding your M1 account. Get started today, chainsawccc.com slash M1. $30 is waiting for you, bro. And I think this is probably the greatest thing that I've seen in a while, right? Um, so again, as promised, we're going to see how, how deep the Schmidt can get, right? So let's just jump right back into this here. Um, Associated Press released this on the 10th. Judge orders restaurant temporarily closed in mask dispute. Okay. Uh, a judge has ordered a suburban Kansas City restaurant to close temporarily because the owner repeatedly refused to follow a mask mandate. Jackson County Judge James Kanataza, uh, wow, we're going to cut that in post. Uh, James Kanatazar on Friday granted the county's request for a temporary restraining order against Ray's Cafe in Blue Springs. The county has filed a motion seeking to permanently prevent the owner from operating in violation of the health order. Before the judge's ruling, Jackson County health officials and sheriff's deputies served the cafe owner, Amanda Volitz, uh, with an order to close because the mask mandate was being ignored. Well, party of law and order, eh? I thought we went over this. Um, but the business continued to operate Friday morning. Ray's Cafe's food permit was suspended last week. The owner then reopened as a private club, which charges customers $1 to join and prohibits masks. Ah, ah, they're, they're pulling the old strip club gambit, huh? Where you're a church now. Mmm, slick. Yeah. Mmm. Jackson County said in a statement that it uh, would take the necessary steps to ensure the health order is enforced. Uh, Volod says said uh, she and all her workers are medically exempt from the mask mandate, but has not explained what medical conditions they have, the Kansas City Star reported. Uh, the county said Ray's Cafe is the first business it has tried to close for not following county requirements during the COVID-19 pandemic. So, right. So this restaurant is trying to pull the old strip club order on, oh, we're a private club. We, uh, we're not a business per se. We're just having folks over and they're making, you know, $12 contributions to our club. And we just so happen to be giving away free food to folks based on what they're looking for. Um, the same thing we see in the, in the nightclub industry when it comes to gentlemen's clubs. Um, you know, obviously here at the state level uh, in Missouri, they've passed several several fun bits of legislation. Most of those are based on laws that were passed previously in Ohio, uh, which is strange, but um, having certain uh, requirements and regulations on gentlemen's clubs. So a lot of them have just gone the route of calling themselves uh, uh, private, private clubs. Um, they're just members and you buy a membership and all of that. So anyway, as promised, this is how deep the Schmidt gets. Uh, Eric Schmidt uh, tweeted in response to this uh, local bureaucrats hell bent on control under the guise of their mask mandates shut down Ray's Cafe in Jackson County. The owner is a single mom trying to provide for her family. 
I'll be there at a rally this morning to support her and we the people who've had it with government overreach. Come on, guy. Stop with the government overreach stuff. Like, if Mike Parson wants to say that crap, that's weird. But I guess he can. That's cool. But, like, you, sir, you, sir, are not allowed to talk about government overreach. You gotta be freaking kidding me. Um, that's really something else. I mean, the audacity. The... The absolute sheer audacity of this guy. And when it comes down to state legislators or the attorney general or the governor talking about how President Biden has doesn't have the right, like he doesn't have the right to use his federal power in this way. I want to remind folks about Governor Parson's executive order cutting unemployment benefits months ago for working families across the state, even though Missouri statute, what was that, uh, uh, RSMO 288, clearly shows that Governor Parson does not have the right to cut those benefits. That as governor, the Missouri state's uh, uh, legislation, uh, statutes, and the federal statutes uh, U.S. Code regarding the Department of Labor and the creation of unemployment as a given, which is also attached to uh, Social Security there, um, or it, it mentions uh, Social Security in its, in its uh, references, Social Security in its creation. And again, this was written back in the 50s, okay, so it's not something new, um, that this actually does not allow for Governor Mike Parson to have the right to an executive order stopping unemployment for Missouri families. And yet, we had a judge, uh, what was a district court, a judge there in, in, in Cole County, who just decided, made it up out of the freaking blue that he was going to rule on that however the hell he wanted to. So, you know, keep in mind, when they talk about who does and doesn't have the right, apparently rights don't freaking matter here in the state of Missouri. Cronyism is what matters. So... Definitely something to think about. Now, when it comes to all of these mask mandates and government overreach and, and all this wacky, wacky stuff, right? Um, you've got to think, well, wait a minute, uh, Chainsaw, you know, I've been watching your channel for a while. Didn't you just do a video recently about, you know, the, the Caleb Browden is calling for Missouri legislators uh, to, to protect uh, the freedoms of these anti-vaxxer QAnon whack jobs, right? And Governor Parson and, and uh, Attorney General Eric Schmidt are all over this as well. And they're asking legislators to help them in the fight. Well, didn't you just do a video about a Missouri state legislator whose husband died of COVID-19 and who was an avid anti-vaxxer? Yes. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. That was recently. Did a video, um, posted it about uh, Sarah Walsh and her husband, who had obviously spoken, had been very outspoken, both of them, um, about uh, vaccines and, and masking and, you know, all of that. And the next thing you know, he dies of COVID, complications of COVID-19. Um, so my first thought is, well, if they're calling on Missouri legislators, what does... You know, Sarah Walsh have to think, uh, have to say about all of this. And so I took a look here at her Twitter page, and the first thing that I found 
was this monstrosity um sarah walsh posted this on uh looking like uh the ninth oh wow yeah so uh yeah retreat from nick schroer um joe biden is tri and this this is coming from a lady whose husband died of covid who would refuse to take the vaccine spoke out publicly uh, you know, he worked in, in, in Vicki Hartzler's office, I, I, apparently for 10 years. All of them are strong anti-vaxxers, okay? She tweeted, Joe Biden is trampling our constitutional rights and destroying the American dream. Business owners must never be forced to make their employees choose between their constitutionally protected freedoms and their livelihood. That's a quote. That is such a quote. She included it in her posts as an image because she wanted to say that incredibly stupid nonsense twice. Wow. Wow. How do you even have the audacity? That's that's cold. That's so cold. That's so cold and so stupid. Um So, so looking down at the uh, the responses on Twitter, I really grabbed my attention, and we'll use this to uh, transition into the uh, uh, social media context here. Um, let's see, Steve. Well, um, <clears throat> this is from uh, Solus Populi Suprema Lex Esto. Um, their response. Uh, oh, it's 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 bad, um, but I'll read it. I might get uh, might get this video deleted. Um, definitely, we'll probably get this uh, this uh, episode of the podcast deleted. Um, Steve Walsh loved every second of his freedom, all the way up until he was coughing up blood from his lungs and needlessly dying in the hospital. Biden is trying to keep people from killing themselves needlessly and from hurting others. Climb off your cross and help for a change. I mean, what what more is there to say? That's sick and disgusting, and you know. People like that have no business in government. People like that have no business, uh, you know, honestly, people like that have no business serving freaking food. Um, this isn't a Republican thing. This isn't a Democrat thing, as I said before. Um, and and I'll, I'll go into that real quick before we jump in the break. So I belong to several conservative groups, you know, on social media, especially Facebook. And I also belong to very, <clears throat> several, uh, you know, progressive groups okay I, I would say liberal but liberals uh, not a real thing um it's a goofy buzzword uh, and it's ugly but i belong to several conservative uh, groups a lot of them uh also you know not what's what's a good way to say this so not the QAnon whack job you know just just fiscal conservatives just specifically when it comes to uh you know spending um, what we should be spending our money on, um, you know, but I digress. And then I also belong to progressive uh, leftist groups, just to get a good opinion on what everybody's at. And from what I can tell, they're, when it comes to vaccines and COVID and masks and social, this isn't a left versus right thing unless, you know, unless you just believe uh, the media, unless you just believe the liberal media, or unless you just believe the QAnon whack job, uh, you know, conservative media, right? 
I mean, it's not, it's not political. Dying and coughing up blood from your lungs, as, as uh, you know, the, these folks had, had so eloquently put it, is not a political uh, motive, okay? It's not something that uh, you don't vote for that. I mean, I guess you do now because there's so many whack jobs out there. But I was actually surprised to find that so many anti-vaxxer progressives. Um, the idea is, and, and this should surprise any conservatives who are watching <clears throat> my channel or listening to the podcast, um, there are several groups and several individuals of anti-vaxxer leftists. The idea is bodily autonomy is very important to them, and therefore they are not for uh, you know, vac vaccine mandates. Uh, they're not for the, the, the vaccine at all being politicized uh, as it has been uh, by the left. Now, on the one side, I get that. There are also, a lot of them are also pro-choice. So on the one side, I get that. Here's the problem. When it comes to vaccines and when it comes to COVID, um, that's not really bodily autonomy if the idea is it's not really within your body. Okay, getting the vaccine and having that mandated, yes, that's within your body, but it's to keep something that's in your body from going to other bodies. Okay, so that vax that when it comes down to it, the main issue at hand, um, that's irrelevant. It's a moot point. Okay, and that's for the left. Um, for the right, that's pretty easy because there are several news channels out there that are just float garbage, and several folks who are very public figures who are also just float garbage. Um, I've listed a few here. Um, there's just something wrong with these folks. I mean, there seriously is something wrong with these folks. The hypocrisy is astounding and they should all be disgusted. Honestly, they should all just like quit their jobs and, you know, I don't know, go dig ditches, uh, under supervision. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. But the idea that they're, they're touting this as governor government overreach when clearly it's the same type of government overreach that those folks are committing. Um, you tell me, bro. I don't get it. But uh, we're going to take a short break, jump back into this, and uh, take a look at some social media comments. We'll see you then. So let's take a look at some of the social media comments that I saw in the last couple of days pertaining to these subjects at hand uh, that really grabbed my attention. Um, Steve writes, uh, we are supposedly, uh, why are supposedly pro-life Republican leaders okay with 1,500 Americans dying daily from COVID-19? 55,000 school children hospitalized from the virus since August. Uh, but sure, all vaccine orders, close schools, overwhelm the hospitals, tank the economy just to win the midterm elections. Boy, that's that's real. And it, it almost sounds like uh, making reference directly to uh, A.G. Eric Schmidt there. Definitely seems like his motivations. I mean, he's pandering to the wackiest whack jobs, uh, the, the you know, the, the, the anti-vaxxers, the QAnon folks. I mean, think about it. Two years ago, everybody would be saying this stuff, whether you're Republican or Democrat. Everybody would say that these were the wackiest, you know, f most fringe aspects of, of the party. Um, you know, the anti-vaxxers, the QAnon folks. I mean, just the, the looniest loons, right? That's not really... It should not represent the party, but apparently this is what we're left over with, right? Um, again, I I have said before... I am a conservative. I still am a conservative. I don't know of any Republicans that I'm uh, just die hard over, but that's not really how that works in the real world either. So Bill writes, I wish our governor would stop playing politics with death. Boy, you hit the nail on the head right there. Um, Amy writes, in 1965, when Medicare was signed into law, 
and there was a year's grace period to allow hospitals to be fully compliant with federal laws. As the deadline approached, lots of hospitals were not compliant because they remained segregated. Now, this was supposed to be covered by the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Hospitals seeing the reality uh, that they wouldn't be able to be a part of the Medicare program without changes managed to desegregate before the deadline. It's not the only time that requirements of federal law override state laws. In this case, OSHA regulations for safe work workplace conditions is the vehicle for compliance. And I've said this before, um, if OSHA can require me to fix a, uh, you know, a commercial grade roof uh, for a building that I'm just simply working in, um, you know, as, as the property manager, but also as a tenant, um, in order to keep my business operating without having OSHA come in and shut me down because the, the actual owner of the facility had other things, was too busy, uh, you know, vacationing in the Balkans that week. Um, you know, definitely they can uh, make folks... <laughs> well, it's a good thing that Governor Mike Parson made, uh, you know, has is, is, is put measures uh, forward to create so many hospitality jobs. So I guess a lot of folks will be working, like I said, at the local bowling alley, um, at the truck stops, always hiring. So the option's there for you anti-vaxxer folks. Melvin uh, says, yet the state wants to overreach to deny local governments and school boards, schools boards to do what they feel is in their citizens' best interest, pot, meat, kettle. Um, not exactly my favorite uh, use of the English language, but absolutely, Melvin, kind of kind of hit the nail on the head right there. Definitely pot, meat, kettle. Um, I've said that several times just, uh, just right here. Uh, Jim says, here for the comments. It's sad how stupid extremists put both uh, put. It's sad how stupid extremist people are both political sides. Whoa, uh, this isn't about a vaccine that doesn't prevent you from getting or spreading COVID. It's about your basic rights as an American. The government don't stop you from smoking because it can kill you. They don't control your diet to cure your obesity or type two diabetes. Go ahead, give them an inch, and see what else they take when they take a foot. Come on, people. We have some very brave soldiers and veterans that died for just what is now trying to be taken away. You can't force your neighbor to eat better, nor can you force a vaccine. In return for your understanding, your neighbor won't force you to eat bad or refuse you to vaccinate. Look, I'm just reading these as they come, but um, firstly, that's uh, kind of atrocious to uh, put... Put uh, uh, put veterans uh, into that, um, and again, so close to September 11th, it's kind of disgusting. I mean, there's so many things that could be said about September 11th in general, uh, the war in Afghanistan in general, uh, the war in Iraq in general. But um, yeah, th I'm pretty sure this is not what I, you know. I don't know. I I don't know. I used to I used to be a personal chef. Um, this is you know 700,000 years ago, right? But I used to be a personal chef uh, for military policemen. Um, who actually served uh, in the army, come from a family of, of veterans, and I'm pretty sure this this is not what they joined up for. I, you know, and, and anyone who's who's had any friends or relatives who have, have actually uh, you know died in service, um, I'm pretty sure that this has nothing to do with that, and it's pretty much just sad and disgusting that someone would uh, equate. A quid OSHA violation to 
to dead veterans. I mean, are you are you freaking kidding me right now? Um, what what kind of a mind comes up with this crap? And and you know, so that's first. Secondly, um, the government does regulate smoking. Um, this was posted by somebody who was posting in a forum um, that's based out of Springfield, Missouri, which has, funnily enough, a smoking ban where you can't smoke in a restaurant, in a bar, within so many feet of, a, you know, a commercial or residential buildings in common places um, that aren't covered by so many feet of a, of a, of a half wall. Um, Breezeways are okay as long as there's, uh, you know, an opening on a ventilation on two sides of the building. Um, yeah, so every 100% of this statement is just trash. Um, Katie writes, uh, mandating vaccinations is not an uncommon thing. The military has done it for years. Children have to uh, have them to go to school. People act like this is a new thing, and it's not. Um, even this vaccine considered new is not at all new. They've studied it for 20 to 30 years. Um, and our, uh, what is it? The uh, MNRA uh, technology. Technology and science is on our side. And when you compare the development of the polio vaccine time frame to the COVID vaccine time frame, or any uh, vaccine for that matter. God, that is so real. Um, <clears throat> if this was an issue, I'm sure that they would have a problem back then. Um, you know, with without uh, without the technology that we have today, um, and they were still able to come up with uh, smallpox uh, vaccines, polio vaccines. Basically, by today's comparison, those folks were working in the dark ages, but um, still somehow were able to get get it right. And finally, Scott, absolutely stupid from this administration. I'd expect nothing less. The vaccines are not working, folks. The vaccines are not working, folks. Time to try a different uh, direction. Israel is 90% vaccinated, and they are having uh, surges as well as 86% of the people in hospitals there are fully vaxxed. Well, let's, uh, let's dig a little bit deeper there. Um, obviously, I pre-prepared this, so NPR. Uh, posted just last month, actually, on 20th of August. Uh, highly vaccinated Israel is seeing a dramatic surge in new COVID cases. Here's why. Uh, immunity from the vaccine drips. Israel had a fully vaccinated slightly over half its population by March 25th. Infections uh, waned. Venues reopened to the vaccinated, and the prime minister told Israelis to go out and have fun. By June, all restrictions, including indoor masking, were abolished. But Israel paid a price for the early rollout. Health officials and then Pfizer said the data showed a dip in the vaccine's protection around six months after receiving the second shot. Huh. So it's good for six months, and then it starts to dip. The Delta variant broke through the vaccine's waning uh, protection. It was a perfect storm. The vaccine's waning protection came around the same time the more infectious Delta variant arrived in Israel this summer, or as we've been calling it, the Parson variant. Uh, Delta accounts for nearly all infections in Israel today. Huh, well, that's, that's, that's curious. Uh, the most influential event uh, was so many people who went abroad in the summer and brought the Delta variant uh, very, very quickly to Israel. If you get infected, being vaccinated helps. Good news is that among Israel's serious infections on Thursday of the week, uh, according to Health Ministry, the, the rate of serious uh, cases among unvaccinated people over age 60 was nine times more than the rate among fully vaccinated people the same age category. Um, the bad news, doctors say, is that half of Israel's seriously ill patients uh, who are currently hospitalized 
were fully vaccinated at least five months ago. Most of them are over 60 and have comorbidities. Hmm. Isn't that the same thing that all the anti-vaxxers last year before there was an vaccine? Or sorry, all the, all the QAnon nut jobs before there was an, a vaccine? The anti-mask people um, were making reference to, oh, it's it's just like the flu. They Everybody who died has comorbidities. Well, these folks are just making up any excuse they can, acting like the rest of us weren't here to watch the whole process. Um, Israel's high vaccination rate isn't high enough. The country jumped out ahead of all other countries in vaccines, and 78% of eligible Israelis over 12 years old are vaccinated but israel has a young population with many under the eligible age for vaccination and about 1.1 million eligible israelis largely between the ages of 12 and 6 uh, 12 and 20 have declined to take even one dose of the vaccine that means only 58 percent of israel's total uh, citizenry is fully vaccinated hmm hmm vaccines don't work folks uh it's not working uh, time to try a different direction. What What is that different direction? I, I gotta ask you, Scott. What the hell is that? Um, Israel's 90% vaccinated? Well, clearly it's not. So, yeah, I mean, it's easy to tell what's wrong with these people um, in our government. It's easy to tell what's wrong with people out there in the world. I mean, they're just basically the nut jobs are encouraging each other. Um, you know, and I, I can't blame... I can't blame uh, the government, well, the government. I can't blame folks like Eric Schmidt and Mike Parson entirely. Um, you know, they are the product of their environment. They're all, they're just like everyone else. Their only concern is to make money. I mean, let's be real about this. Their only concern is power and greed and money. They're politicians. They're in it for the long run. I mean, one of them's an attorney general. One of them's a former cop. Now he's the governor. I mean, their only concern is power and money. The only way to do that is to, well, to continue to do that. And they just so happen to belong to a faction where their base is a bunch of whack jobs. So if they don't play to the whack jobs, they lose power and money, which are the only two most important things uh, you know available to these guys. So yeah. Um, that's a thing. Listen, if you're checking this out on YouTube, feel free to check out any of my videos posted over here. Um, if you're checking this out on uh, uh, any of your, wherever you get podcasts, I don't know, I'm still uh, still used, new to this, uh, iTunes and some of the other guys, Spotify. Um, definitely want to catch me in the next uh, episode. And uh, yeah, bro, I'll see you then.